Hello there, welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. So that's it. The season is finished. Over. Done. Dusted. It is an X season. It is no more. Actually, speaking of the end of the season and stuff, I've, I was dreaming this week that the Arscast was going to continue right throughout the summer, which it doesn't do because there's nothing to talk about. So... Uh, obviously, uh, with football taking a backseat, uh, the Arsecast does too. But I dreamt that I'd signed a, a, a massive sponsorship deal with some huge company like McDonald's or Nike or one of those. And I had to keep it going throughout the summer. And without anything to talk about, I had to talk about my own life. And I kind of turned into this weird preacher guy. But the problem was I was telling people, you know, all this, uh, you know, those uh, motivational speaker guys, and I was telling them all this stuff, and I was basing my advice on um, stuff that had happened in my life. But I was making it up. None of it had ever happened to me. And I kept getting caught out telling lies, and, and they were uh, Nike or McDonald's, or whatever, were really, really unhappy with me. And then I went off into something else, but... Uh, yeah, I think we'll we'll avoid that this summer by not signing any massive sponsorship deal to keep the Arscast going. So, the season, it's over. And uh, not before time, if you ask me. Like last season, it's one that I can't say, even with the benefit of hindsight, I enjoyed a great deal. Uh, the final day, the outcome of the final day, I should say, was was excellent. And I enjoyed that. After the final whistle had gone, I enjoyed that. But, uh, you know, everything that kind of came before it, I didn't really enjoy. The last couple of months, you got to take your hat off to the team and say they played in a way which which got us the results that we need. And you've got to give them huge credit for that and the manager as well for the way uh, things changed. But uh, none of it was terribly enjoyable, was it? I mean, hanging on for uh, tight victories away from home against Fulham with 10 men, us down to 10 men at West Brom, down to 10 men at Sunderland, QPR scoring in the first minute, then uh, I won't say hanging on for the remaining 89, but not being able to take advantage of that. And all the while, the other teams around us are winning and not dropping points, and it's you know, just tremendously tight. And, and Sunday in particular was just was horrible, horrible. Now, I'll admit I'd had a... A few drinks on Saturday night, but nothing crazy. But my stomach on on Sunday felt just horrible. Um, And it was only after the final whistle went that I realized it was genuine unease and unhappiness and stomach-churning nerves and and everything else that that was causing it. Because once the final whistle went, admittedly, the final whistle was followed very swiftly by another beer and a, a rather large bourbon... But, you know, I think the, the final whistle had more to do with how well I felt than the, uh, than the drinks. So, um, from a, a, an overall point of view, I'm kind of glad it's over. I'm glad, obviously, that we finished where we finished under the circumstances. In the bigger picture, the, the whole perspective of the season, you have to say it's been a disappointment. You know, as, as well as we finished, you can't overlook the fact that we're 17 points behind the leaders who took their foot off the gas in the final few games because they'd already got the title won. Uh, The cup exits. The way we played at times this season. You know, it's been a disappointment, really. Um, Where we finish gives us a chance to, to put things right, but 
let's not forget we've we've been here before. The weird thing is, though, although we finished a place lower, we've uh, we've achieved uh, a greater points total. I think we've three more points than we did last season, and defensively, our record is much improved. Uh, some of that is to do with not letting in eight goals in a particular game and four goals away at Blackburn and things like that. But, uh, you know, there has been an improvement in the defence, particularly in the final third of the season. So there are encouraging signs there. But uh, as I said in the blog this week, that, you know, we need to start showing ambition rather than talking about how we have ambition. The landscape has changed. We know that the finances have changed. We'll have more money coming in from Emirates. There'll be more money coming in from the kit deal. It gives us more security in terms of being able to spend and know that we've got this guaranteed income coming in every year. But there's little point in having that unless we spend. Uh, We've got to go out and buy the players we need to make us a more competitive team. Uh, And the game itself on Sunday, um, yeah, yeah, I was hoping maybe we could get two or three or four nil against Newcastle, a team that had, you know, very little to play for and uh, looked like they'd very little to play for all season long. Um, it took a Lauren Koscielny goal. And what what are the odds on Lauren Koscielny scoring the winning goal on the final day of the season to edge out Spurs two years in a row? They must hate him. They must really hate it. They probably hate him as much as we love him. Because uh, he he really has been fantastic over the last 10 uh, games of the season. Uh, And to get the goal again, uh, and what a good goal it was too. Strikers' instincts and all that. Swiveling, pivoting in the box, hooking it in off the face of the uh, unfortunate and uh, rather emotional Steve Harper on the final game uh, that he was ever going to play at Newcastle after 20 years on the bench there. Uh, He got a bit emotional during the game and, you know, Koscielny smacked the ball in off his face. And it looked like it was going to be tense, but not quite as tense as the last three or four minutes were because Bale scored a goal at White Hart Lane. Hilariously, the Tottenham fans, of course, thought that uh, Newcastle had scored an equaliser thanks to Alan Sugar sending out a tweet, which is just brilliant. Um, They are the gift, as somebody said on Twitter, the gift that keeps on giving on the final day of the season. Uh, Bale scored a goal, and then you just had visions, didn't you, of this uh, something happening like a wonder strike or a corner or uh, a ball deflecting in off somebody's testicles, just something that would put a spanner in our works. In the end, we got across the line. And as I said, you've got to give the team massive credit uh, for what they've done to get there. Given they were seven points behind Tottenham, they were being written off all over the place and they uh, they really focused and worked hard. Uh, but it would be brilliant, brilliant to see that focus and that kind of defensive work and that kind of uh, team commitment from uh, the first game of the season right until the last, not at a point in the season where we go, oh, Jesus, what, what the fuck are we going to do? Right, we're going to have to change things here, you know. And things did change, but we'll touch on that in a couple of moments' time as we chat to our guest this week. I'm delighted to welcome back to the Arscast from Ars to Mouse. It's Tim Clark. Hi there. Hello. Tell me about your final day because I I hated it. I every single minute of it, right until the final whistle of the game at St James's Park, hated it. I was working and typing and doing live blogging, and it was just horrendous. There wasn't anything, anything at all uh, enjoyable about it. Um, what about you? Yeah, much the same. I mean, it was uh, horrendous is probably, it sounds hyperbolic, but it was. And I think I kind of, I came off the back of the Wigan game 
and I sort of rode that kind of emotional high for a little bit and felt all right about it. And then when it came to kind of mid Friday, it really seemed to sort of sink in the kind of the shit or bustness of the situation and how we could, we could potentially be going into the summer on a real downer. Mm. Um, and then like on the, the, the day of it, like I didn't travel up to Newcastle, but it, I spoke to my dad on the phone in the morning and he was being unusually kind of circumspect for him going kind of, well, there'll still be, you know, there'll be football next season and you still have a good club and there'll be a decent team and you shouldn't really worry. And I sort of thought, Uh well, that's all well and good, but basically bollocks. Um, And then Dave, who Dave, who does the podcast for our site came around, we watched it together with my uh, long suffering girlfriend and less long suffering dog. Uh, And I think all of them found it just awful, really. Like we, we paced around the room, uh, when Walcott towed the shot onto the post, I I threw a cushion across the room and punched the other one. The dog scattered behind the sofa, like real awful Andy Cap sort of stuff. Um, and then at the end, we just sort of like it, the the relief of it, like we sort of we hugged and we went to the pub, and you know, you kind of there was all that kind of. Uh, people kind of being quite judgmental not Arsenal fans but people outside of Arsenal being judgmental about the fact that we you know we as fans and the, the team as players were celebrating but we were celebrating I think the relief really of you know this was the, the, the least we could achieve this season and for a long while it didn't look like we would achieve that I didn't I, there were certainly periods I didn't think we would achieve it so if you can't if you can't celebrate finishing above rivals who've been saying we were kind of we were done for and had shot it and if you can't celebrate getting into a competition then you know you can't celebrate teams who you know avoid relegation can't celebrate or teams that make it into the playoffs can't celebrate yeah, so I thought I mean, that that whole narrative was dumb yeah I mean that was that was going to be my next question because you know I'm sort of of the opinion that that footballers <clears throat> in general tend to over celebrate you know if somebody scores the first goal of the game in the first minute of the game and it's like and they pile on and they run around and they might do aeroplane, you know, flying or whatever it is, whatever celebration they have. And you're thinking, wait a minute, it's the first minute of the game. You know, there's still 89 minutes to go. You haven't just scored the last minute winner in a World Cup final. So I'm, I'm sort of of the opinion that they, they tend to over-celebrate goals in particular. But on this occasion, you know, I thought they were absolutely right considering the position that they came from. And, and, you know, if you remember last season when we did something very similar in terms of how we ended the season, the difference was last season that Spurs completely imploded along the way. We put a really good run together. Well, when you look back at some of the results in the final uh, few games of the season, there was a Norwich game. We lost at home to Wigan. You know, uh, we were really helped by the fact that Spurs uh, shot themselves in the foot. This time they didn't do that. You know, they really didn't. And we we spoke, I think, you know, before, and you've said it on your blog and I said it on my blog about margins for error, how there really wasn't any. Um, and, you know, what they had to do to get into the top four was really incredible. Yeah, I mean, we. I mean, I was running that stupid uh, prediction spreadsheet for, for the last kind of 10 or so games. And quite a few people said, Oh, we've you've predicted that Spurs, Arsenal, and Chelsea will all win their last three games, and I thought, you know, well, that, that does seem odd. But you looked at the fixtures, and you sort of thought, they'll, you know, the quality of the squads, the various squads, that you would have to do that. We would have to do that, and you know, we've all sort of doubted the caliber of the players. Going back to what you're saying about celebrating, I mean, I'm a great one. I'll celebrate goals at five a side. I'll flick the collar up and <laughs> and go running back to a fictional crowd that isn't there, like a proper proper idiot. And players often get accused of not caring enough, don't they, and just playing for a check and that. So I thought some of the photos that sort of came out afterwards were really sort of sweet of seeing them all them all celebrating together. And 
of course it's not a trophy and of course it's not the one, you know the only thing we aspire to but but it, I think it was good to see that this group it feels like they've been kind of um forged in kind of a crucible this season because the pressure on them during that 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 10 game spell must have been unbelievable I think last time I was on was was maybe after we'd just signed Monreal and we, we talked about we talked about the fact that we hadn't been on a run all season I don't think we'd put together a run of more than a couple of wins really at that point and you you looked at it and you went unless they go on something like this a 10 game unbeaten run they won't get anywhere near top four they'll, they'll finish fifth or, or, or sixth probably so to do that under that pressure uh, they deserve tremendous credit for, and also you'd say they they did do it in a manner where they never looked comfortable. They never kind of were, were swatting teams aside. Really, they weren't particularly playing sensational football. So I think we need to keep that kind of in the back of our minds. Mm-hmm. But to gut results out like that, uh, yeah, the table, the old cliche is the table don't lie. And the, the, sure. the table, the table, I guess, tells you that there's almost nothing between us and Spurs. But once again. Once again, they failed, and we've we've. Mm. Yeah, I think there's, there's a touch of you know having been there, worn the t-shirt, bit of experience on our part, but you know um, it, it was the best run we put together. And I think you know, I have a, a theory about this that I was talking about on the the Arsenal America podcast this week that I think you know better late than never. He he came to the conclusion after the Bla- uh, the Blackburn game, maybe the Bayern game, that he couldn't. This group of players couldn't play the type of football that he wants his teams to play. You know the way he's always had a really attacking-minded uh, outlook on the game. We want to attack. We want to win games. We want to go out and score more than the opposition. We won't worry too much about what they do. Uh, and it was all about going out to win games. And I think w- we changed. That, ch- that focus completely changed. Uh, we saw it away at Bayern where the focus was we won't lose. Yeah, and I think you, what you have to remember as well is that Bayern game was a reaction to the Spurs game that had gone immediately mm. before and I think they looked at they looked at the kind of goals they'd conceded against Spurs and who knows what the exact conversations were but it must have been something along the lines of we just can't continue like yeah. this we can't we can't kind of play this loosely and expect uh, to get results against teams of, of any sort of decent quality mm. I, I and, think that was a hugely important game though the Bayern game because you know they were let's face it everybody was on a bit of a low because of you know gone out of the Cups uh, we've beaten, spanked really at home by Bayern, even though 3-1 isn't as comprehensive as the performance on the night suggested. But we were totally outplayed. And everybody's going into this going, well, look, our season is, it looks fucked. You know, we're, we're way behind where we should be. We haven't, you know, we haven't been on the sort of run that could get us into the top four. We haven't put any kind of consistency over a season together. And then we went to Bayern and we changed our outlook and we said, like, right, we're going to, we're going to try and not lose games first and foremost and then, and then try and win them um, if we can. But the, the emphasis changed from attack to like being more solid and we saw that the way the team played. But going away to Bayern Munich and winning 2-0, I think that gave them the sort of belief that they needed to go through the games that we went through at the end of the season to hang on you know, with one goal leads at West Brom and Sunderland when we had 10 men and uh, Fulham and, and Queen's Park Rangers, even though you, know, you, you look at those teams on paper and think that we should be beating them uh, a bit more easily than we did but I don't know that we'd have been able to if we hadn't got that result in Munich It's, it's definitely a conscious strategic thing as well because and I think it's going to be interesting because it will probably carry on into the discussions about what we do next year but you can see now that there's that the mentality is they go out there once they're one once they're one up they look to then form an even more uh, organised and kind of solid shape and then and then 
take chances kind of in an opportunistic way as they come to see if they can get that second or third goal. But there's none of that kind of, well, we just keep piling forward and we'll, we'll, we'll naturally kind of expose the other team that way. Um, and I think that's led to the, during that run, those victories, so many of them have been really, like you say, marginal and tight. And it may be that, you know, we go into the window now and some of those games would perhaps have been more comfortable if we'd have had players who were more efficient in taking some of the chances we still created. So maybe, maybe that's what they'll look for in the market is players who can kind of can tilt the, those really fine margins even further in our favour to make us able to see out some of those games a little bit more comfortably and make it a little bit more watchable because because as important as that 10 game spell has been you'd be hard pressed to say you've enjoyed almost any of it I, I reckon mm. Yeah, there was a point I made a little bit earlier in the podcast that, you know, in terms of the season in general, I'm glad it's over. Yeah. I'm glad we finish where we finish, but I'm, I'm quite happy to see the back of it. Um, you know, and it, it gives us, I know we said this last season as well when we finished fourth that we have this, this platform, but things have changed, you know, a little bit in terms of, in terms of what's available. Let, let's um, talk very quickly about the summer. Um, I know you love a good transfer, yeah. Um, but how how involved are you going to get in what's going to go on this season? Because all for years, I remember when I first joined up with the uh, with the Arsenal mailing list, a sort of an email discussion list, way back in the in the nineties. Um, and I remember back then it was known as silly season. Um, I, I think this one could be the silliest season of all time because everyone knows that Arsenal have money and everyone knows that Arsenal are under more pressure than ever to spend money and we have stuff like the that's gone on this week uh, with uh, with Jovetic you well, know it, the, the the story about a 30 million pound bid and Fiorentina are denying it and the guy who's retweeting the fact that he's trending on Twitter because he's put that rumor out you know is completely ignoring the fact that the the president of Fiorentina said no I <laughs> had any contact with them whatsoever it's going to get mental I mean, yeah, we're, we're at time of recording, I think, three days in to the season really being finished and not uh, the window not even being open. Uh, I don't know. Like, I was thinking, I was, I was chatting to some of the boys at work, the other Arsenal fans at work about this, and we're in a funny position now that even with the new money, you sort of imagine we're not going to shop in the... We're not going to shop, I'd have thought, on completely the top bracket of the Cavani's and the Falcao's. That would be probably be unrealistic. But then we have to shop clearly in a bracket that's better than the players we've already got. And that pool of players is actually really small. When you, when you look at kind of ones who, especially strikers, really, I think I'm talking about, probably midfielders and defenders, there's a bigger bigger bit of Venn diagram to shoot at. So there's no there's little surprise kind of early on we've been linked to already players like like Jovetic and Higuain and that but th- those could go away quite quickly and then I think you might be scratching around in quite a small a, a quite a small selection of players with quite a few other clubs chasing after them so then and here's where I kind of swallow nervously will be it'll be down to kind of the aggression and the negotiating abilities of uh <laughs> of Messrs law and uh and whoever else which I don't know like even the kind of whole notion that we're going to go out there and I know I know it's been very well briefed and everyone's kind of well aware that there's more money there and that there seems to have been a kind of a penny that's dropped in terms of what we need to do but you're talking about a club which uh which has made 
a transfer surplus in almost every window I can remember. Not always a big one, but almost always a surplus. So, and, and again, like I was saying to lads at work, what what do you think is the most we would we might conceivably spend? And people were going, oh, 50 million, 60 million. And you're just sort of thinking, that's such a policy change. On, on for player? No, no, on, in, in total. general? Yeah, kind of net in total. And you, you get as well, when you start talking about this stuff, you get people going... Well, but Andy, Andy Carroll, he costs loads of money and he's rubbish. And it's like, if you're having these discussions on Twitter or wherever, I think you have to kind of almost just make an assumption of like players of X quality tend to cost about X amount. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. people get their knickers really bunched about about that based on like a couple of odd odd deals. You can tell by the way I've enthusiastically talked about it, I'm already sucked too deep in, aren't I? Way in. Way but like, in. But like websites do more, websites do more traffic in the summer, don't they? When there's no, no football even on, it's, it's dark because we're all just... Yeah, you, you, everyone's you want. looking for the source that they can trust, and you know, well, ask, ask Bog News clearly. Well, clearly, but um, you know, it is it's it's one of those things. Uh, I think this this summer where it's just going to go because there's no distraction of uh, a big summer tournament. I think there's the under twenty ones European Championships or World Cup or something. But you know, who cares? Um, you know that there isn't that where you could say, well, you know, they're going to wait and see how things go in the World Cup. You know, the players won't be available to sign the best guys in the world. You know, it'd be nice to see uh, to see us do a bit of early business. Do you think that will happen? Um, I, I I genuinely don't know. Um, I I kind of maybe I'm just wildly <laughs> optimistic, but I do feel like we're going to do things a little bit differently this summer. That's just my gut feeling based on the information that, that's sort of out there rather than any inside knowledge or anything like that. But I know that there is a will, certainly, uh, you know, from uh, Ivan Gazidis and, and probably, uh, well, I don't know who else is on the board that really has any input into, into anything, to be perfectly honest. That, that We might see some, some movement there. But I know that there's, you know, Ivan Gazidis, he's the one who keeps saying, we're ambitious, we've got money to spend, blah, blah, blah. And then Arsene Wenger doesn't spend it and it makes kind of <laughs> Ivan Gazidis look a bit foolish and he sort of come out with it again you know last week where we were we've got plans we're making plans for the summer here's your gold membership renewal form you know <laughs> so I think you know there's a will there certainly uh, on Gazidis's part to spend it's whether or not he can convince Arsene Wenger that you know the money the money should be spent the story is of course when we were all crying out for uh, a signing in January that Arsene Wenger was reluctant to do that because he felt the money that he would spend in January could be better spent uh, you know on a better player in the summer so I, well, I'm but, hopeful uh, and perhaps he's right you know like you know you know maybe they would have spent too much on an injury prone Villa or or they just couldn't get the guys they wanted. I mean, the, the trouble has been leaving stuff too late and the, and trying to replace guys who've who've gone out and who were significant members of the squad. I mean, I think you you know we said that time and time again that if you'd have there was nothing wrong with the players we bought uh, last summer. I think they've all been successes to varying degrees. But if you'd have added them rather than re- had them in as replacements, what position might we have been in then? So the reason I'm optimistic probably is that it doesn't feel like we're gonna the famous last words. It doesn't feel like we're gonna lose or, or, or see the squad weaken so you almost think any business we do and I, I still trust Arsene to buy uh, players who will be a success clearly um, will put us in a better place mm. um, quite when or, or how that happens I've got now a mental image of Sir Chips Keswick searching through his football manager database for uh, for, for the, the fantastical world class signings it's but. an alligator skin <laughs> notebook with the names yeah. of all the footballers and agents and, and everything in there well look you know I think um, 
I think it'll happen, but it's it's just a matter of uh, being a bit patient and, and trying not to get too enveloped in, in all the madness. Anyway, Tim, we better leave it there. Thank you for all your contributions this season and uh, have yourself a, a transfer fill summer and we'll catch up with you again next campaign. Pleasure, thank you. Thanks to Tim. You can find him on Twitter at Arse2Mouse. The two is a number two, same as the domain. It's Arse2Mouse.com. So get your blog and follow on. Right, before the final part of the show, Arshavin. Hello, I am Arshavin. I know that I have retired from football. I embark on new career with new TV show, Andre Ask, in which I will ask questions of other people. Uh, there's word for this interview. He is interviewing some of most famous names in sport. Coming in next few weeks, we have Arthur Kuznetsnovsky, one of greatest Russian shot putters of 1960s, as I'm sure all know. Also, we talk uh, in next week to Oleg Luzhny of Dynamo Kiev in the Arsenal, where he was nicknamed... The bison. When I first come to London, I thought bison was something to wash hands in. This week I'm supposed to talk to Semir Nezri, but uh, as usual, has not turned up. So next best thing, we have a man who, last Sunday, on final day of Premier League season, he experienced great high, had a lot of delight, only to have taken away from him in last uh, minute. No, not uh, Gareth Bale, but man in t-shirt who is celebrating goal by Newcastle that did not happen. Welcome to show. No, a lot of people make uh, foolish of themselves in sport, uh, make dive or miss open goal, but uh, looking at you in t-shirt celebrating a goal that uh, did not happen, you must be biggest fool of all. Well, I blame Alan Sugar, because he posted a tweet, didn't he? To say it was 1-1 and it weren't 1-1. It was still 1-0. Yes, but you are jumping up and down, thinking you are going to be in Champions League. <laughs> oh, excuse He's just so funny. Yeah, well, I'm glad you think it's funny. I don't. That is what make it funny. <laughs> Stupid man. Yeah, well, you can get lost, mate. I'm not taking part no more. Fucking Thank you, Spurs fan in t-shirt celebrating goal that was not goal for letting us laugh at you a bit more. Next week, we discuss life and times of one of rugby's greatest coaches. Tony Pulis. Ask Andre is brought to you by Pudding. Everybody likes pudding. Right, well, it's at this point of the show that normally we look ahead to the weekend that's coming, but, well, there is nothing to look forward to. Not ever again. We're not trying to be that dramatic, but in terms of football, there's no football. The season's over. So there's very little left to say at this point. There will be one more Arscast between now and the end of the season. That will be the traditional round table uh, discussion about our season and how it all went. It might take a slightly different form this year. I'm just tinkering around with a couple of ideas, but uh, that should be out next week. And then after that, the Arse cast goes on its summer break. Um, so I, I'd just like to say thank you to everyone who's listened throughout the season. 
uh, put up with all the nonsense and the guff and the waffle. I uh, hope it entertains you in some way. If you listen beyond the uh, the music at the end, you'll find some bits that uh, didn't quite go right or didn't make it into the show for pretty obvious reasons. So uh, until next week's Arscast, if it is an Arscast or something else, take it easy. Have yourselves a great weekend. Bye-bye. Hello there, welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. I hope you're well. It's been a fairly so-so week for Arsel. It's uh, bad... Well, that's the thing about popcorn. Fuck. Hello again. It's me, your old friend. Bollocks. Hello there, I'm McBenno, and I'm the greatest striker that ever lived. I'm better than... Your man. They've got the cup final, and you know they could come into that on a high or utterly dejected. You know it's good from an Arsenal point of view. You know that these games. Oh fuck! I've totally lost. <laughs> Sorry, I've completely lost my train of thought there. Hang on, I'm going to pick that up. Oh, Jesus. Um. Yeah, hang on a second. Where am I going to pick that up now? I was talking about Wigan, wasn't I? Hello there, welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. I hope you're well as we head towards what is probably the most important game of the season so far. A North London derby with Tottenham. But who else would it be with you fucking twat? The guy walked into the office. I was sitting there in a pair of latex speedos, rubbing cream rice into my thighs and singing Gloria by Laura Branigan. We looked at each other. Are you hungry, mister? I said. Are you hungry? He just turned and left. All in all, it was a fairly typical Friday. No. Hello there, welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. I don't know why I'm talking like this. Um, probably because I've got nothing better to do with my life. Thank you very much indeed to Tim Stillman. You can find him in the kitchen at parties. No, you can't. All right, Gilberto Silver uh, from Gunnerblog.com. We better leave it there. Thank you very much indeed. Cheers. Can I speak to you? Oh, nice to speak to you. <laughs> what a weird thing to say. <laughs> I can probably just get cut out at the cheers. Nice speaking to you. What is that? Hello. Hiya, Marshevin. Oh, I've had a terrible, terrible week. Don't make me go into detail. It's so terrible. I have... I have killed a donkey. 
By accident I have hit it with car and it was lying in the road going oh, oh. I have to stand on its neck Oh god And uh, I don't know uh, what I'm talking about anymore This was not in script 